This is the Virgin Radio Pridecast. Hello, Steve Denny here, and it's my Pride playlist tonight with podcaster, comedian, LGBTQ plus supporter, hello, Susie Ruffle. Hello. Thank you very much for coming in. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. C- come in, choose some music and listen to it. I mean, exactly. It's, it's a dreamy afternoon. And you've picked some really... I mean, I'm looking at the tracks here. There's some really, really nice tunes here, and I can't wait to find out the stories. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you'd asked me on a different day, it probably would have been different songs. Right. I listen to a lot of music that I think could sort of be my pride playlist. And I've and you mentioned as I came in how upbeat they were. So... Um, Yeah, I think uh, people get ready to dance. All right, then. Well, let's get ready to dance indeed. Let's kick this whole thing off then with Queen, Don't Stop Me Now. Why did you want this song? So I love Queen. I've always loved Queen. I think they're brilliant. Uh, And yeah, love Freddie Mercury, which I think is quite a cliched thing to say because most people do. And if you don't, come on, guys. But um, (laughs) I, I always have this song on in my sort of warm-up music as the audience are coming in when I'm on tour. So it's something that I often hear. So when you go out on tour, in your dressing rooms, you can usually turn on the feedback so that you can hear the audiences coming in and you can hear that. I didn't know that. So you can hear conversations going. Yeah, you can hear little bits and pieces and it gives you sort of an idea. This feels like a lifetime ago now, although I'm about to go back out on tour. But, you know, you can hear like, oh, they sound quite upbeat tonight or they sound, oh, they're a little bit quiet here. I wonder if that's normal or, God, it's filled up really quickly. That's good. They're really up for it. And this is one of the songs that I really often hear coming through it's going out one of the speakers and coming in the other speaker like being fed into my dressing room and it makes me feel excited and I don't know when this song comes on I feel like I have a a weird little bit of ownership over it even though I absolutely don't but it feels like it's for me and it's I can just remember dancing to it at like family parties with all of my cousins growing up and it just feels like it's mine and so it always has to be on the playlist in theatres when I'm getting ready to go out on stage and it makes me feel ready to perform. And when you hear this, are you just about to go on then? Yeah, it can often be that. It can often be, you know, it will probably be like, okay, we've got a few minutes. You know, this is the five-minute call. Because it's good, it gets the audience going. And um, there'll be a bit of nerves, of course. But as we go through, there's quite a few of these songs, the songs that I like... Um, audiences to listen to as they're coming in because I think it sort of sets the tone for the evening. My stand-up is um, is sort of joyful and happy and um, whilst I sometimes take on more serious subjects, I always want people to feel sort of, to leave my shows feeling uplifted but also feeling like they're part of something and like they're in an environment where they can be themselves and be happy and be joyful and so this sort of helps them get into that mood. Before we go on to your next choice, for those that may not be familiar with your work, how how long have you been doing stand-up? So I've been doing it for about 12 years, 12 or 13 years, and I'd say professionally it's been my job for about nine years, something like that. There's a few years when you first start out where you're not really good enough. (laughs) (laughs) You're quite awful for a bit, uh, because of course you are, because you don't know how to structure a joke and you don't know how to do storytelling and you don't know how long things are meant to feel and, you know, so it's how long bits are meant to feel rather. But, um, yeah, so about about 13 years since the first time I got up on stage and tried to be funny. And then I've been touring sort of under my own steam, but, you know, slowly gathering more audiences. I went out on tour with Tom Allen 
probably about five years ago now and we did a double header tour around the country and then we and then and, and then we went off and did our own tours and um, yeah I've just been slowly building up an audience and I go out every year on the road was there a time within that 13 years that you thought suddenly I've got this I've gone from kind of learning the trade to I'm nailing this um I mean I think like you have moments of feeling like you're nailing it and then <laughs> the next week you'll be like, oh, maybe I'm not. <laughs> like, like, I think, you know, as soon as you think like, oh, I've got it. You're like, oh, no, I haven't. Um, but I would say something like, you know, doing Live at the Apollo. Yeah. And um, I was really lucky that I had just a dreamy gig at Live at the Apollo, which sometimes happens on TV records and sometimes doesn't because, you know, some days, like like anyone's job, like, you know, you have good days and bad days at A work. TV record's even trickier. Yeah, because been doing a gig with the, just the audience. Yeah, because it's a weird thing where, like, you know, you've got like the audience are lit because you need they need to get reaction shots. Mm-hmm. So normally you wouldn't really be able to see your audience, but now you totally can. You can see the whites wow. of their eyes. Um, it's you know with Apollo, it's uh, you know it's a massive room. It's about three and a half thousand people. No one really knows who's on. So when you go out, they're thinking, is it going to be a famous person? Is it going to be someone that, like, you know, that you'd recognise in the street? Or is it going to be, you know, like me, someone that's a bit newer that's sort of coming through? But I just had, I just felt really ready for it. And I felt really excited. And um, I really liked the routine that I'd chosen to do for it. And so the moment that they, that the, the live, the Apollo sign went up and smoke filled the stage, I just thought, right, I'm doing this. You look it, so up for it. I mean, I watched yeah. it and I, you know, I, I, number one, I love the jacket. Oh, and then you completely smashed it. I thought, wow, like everything was right, wasn't it? it yeah. And sometimes that just happens. I mean, and like, you know, for, for people that are, don't, don't do sort of my kind of job, it's like when you have a job interview. And just everything comes together. The yeah. train was a bit early. You managed to grab a coffee. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like there was someone pleasant on the train that you had a few words with. That was a jolly experience. You know, all those things, it just led up to me having this really lovely night. And it was really nice that like my partner was there and like some of my really good mates came along. And then we all just went and got drunk afterwards. <laughs> and it was Sounds like the perfect thing. Yeah, and it was great. So I'd say like that moment felt really exciting. I was like... Because that, that's a real moment for a comic to go, oh, I've done this thing that comedians do. And I had, you know, and I, and I really enjoyed it. And people seem to think I did a really great job. And, you know, comedy's always about opinion. So there'll always be people that go, I don't like her. And you go, OK, well, that used to really hurt me. But nowadays, you you know, I'm a bit older now that I can go, OK, well, I, you know, I still I still pay the mortgage out of being funny. So I'm funny enough to carry on. Um, but, yeah, that would be one of the moments where I thought this is... All those years of like driving all over the country and, you know, playing to like 10 people and then yeah. like, and, you know, driving from Birmingham to Cardiff and then the next day going to Bolton and then going up to Manchester. And like, and, you know, sometimes you'd have really busy rooms. Sometimes you wouldn't playing like unis and comedy clubs and anything along the way. And I've opened for like so many different people on tour. I've opened for Alan Carr and Romesh and Josh Widdicombe. And I've been all over with them and watched them smash it in these massive rooms. And then, yeah, just to have that moment where I thought, oh, okay, this is just for me tonight and it's gone really well. That felt, um, yeah, it felt really exciting and it felt like, you know, hopeful and, and possible and like, what's next? This yeah. might be the beginning of, of, of like, you know, the next phase of my career. But I still have days where I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not very good. <laughs> but it's I think, normal, isn't it? <laughs> but I think, I, I think what I'm dealing with is being a human. I'm glad you said that gig special because it seemed it when I saw it and I saw it on YouTube and I thought, wow. There's just a special energy coming from that gig, I thought. Well, I think, yeah, and I think, like, 
I just like people to have a good time. Mm -hmm. You know, like I like people to come and have a good time and feel and like I'm really enthusiastic and I'm enthusiastic about how much I love stand up. It's the only thing I've ever been good at. And it's the place where I sort of felt like I could be me and I didn't have to sort of be a version of me that I sort of created for other people. I could just be me. And so I like sort of sharing that with mm -hmm. people. And um, and yeah, and then doing shows like Jonathan Ross, that feels really exciting when you're being interviewed and you're on a show where you grew up watching. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, I'm on Jonathan Ross tonight. <laughs> like, that's mad. Yeah. But you know, there, there'll be moments where, I, where it feels like, oh, I've got this. And then there's still moments where I go, Oh, I might all go away tomorrow. What will I do? What will I do with my life if it all goes away? What are we going to pick next? Which song would you like to go for next? Uh, so maybe we can do this in a sort of chronological way, although people listening, it won't be correct. Uh, but let's do some older stuff and then we'll get towards the newer stuff. So let's have Cheryl Lynn Got To Be Real. Oh, no, this is a tune, isn't it? Yeah. This takes me back to kind of nightclubs years ago with the floors that light up in different... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I went to a Flares like that. That's do you remember it, Flares? flares. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly Flares. What do you like about this song? Oh, I just think it's the kind of song that I would listen to if I was either um, getting ready to go out... Yeah. Or if I was on my way to like quite an important meeting. So it's like, it gets you in the mood. It makes me feel like, yeah, you can do this ruffle. Don't you worry. You got it. Like, <laughs> it's got really, the strut, isn't it? it? It totally has the strut. It totally has the strut. And it just, um, I don't know. It's just one of those songs that I think is, it's on a lot of the sort of pride playlists that you get online. And it's a song that sort of seems to always come up. Um, it will come on when I'm out and about. And, yeah, I just love it, and it's just joyful. Do you remember your first Pride? So my first Pride, I remember seeing a Pride. Um, I remember seeing London Pride when I was not yet out of the closet, and I just happened to be in London with my mum that day, and I was like, oh, no, she might find out. <laughs> <laughs> she might realise. Um, spoiler alert, she didn't. Um, it was still apparently a surprise. Um, but... I went a few, yeah, I went once I'd come out a few years later with um, my sort of then partner, who is now one of my really good friends in that great lesbian cliche um, <laughs> <laughs> that I really lean into. Um, and yeah, I loved it. I, I remember lots, seeing lots of different types of people and then seeing people with their families and people with children and people, my, and I remember finding the whole thing very emotional. And I remember going, we went to GAY afterwards when it was still at the Astoria. Oh, amazing. Yeah, which that was a great That was the venue, night wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I remember going in there when I first came out. Yeah. Because I don't know, like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people feel like this, but when I first came out, I thought, I know there's quite a lot of gay men, but how many lesbians are there? What, is there like 30 of us? Like, how many <laughs> so is true. there? So true. And I went into GAY and was like, Oh, there's loads of us. This is brilliant. And I was so heartened by it and so, like, relieved more than anything else to be yeah. like, oh, there's lots of people that feel like me. So I think I was really worried that I'd be lonely or that I wouldn't have... Because when I came out, I didn't really have any queer friends. Um, I've got friends that are still my really good friends now, still some of my best friends now, but I didn't really have, like, a queer network of friends like I do these days. And so I think just realising that there were lots of people like me was, yeah, it was a relief. Um, that's a great kind of party clubbing tune, isn't it? And we mentioned the Astoria nightclub before. Now, when I used to go there, I used to go upstairs and stand on the tables upstairs dancing. And literally, there would be so many gays up there going mad, going absolutely wild. The floor would shake. Do you remember that? It was brilliant. I remember being in the... I remember seeing Madonna there. <sighs> 
I did too for the confessions. Yeah. Oh, come on, let's talk about that. That was that so was good. special, wasn't it? I remember it? queuing up and you had to like queue up. I queued up in Soho from like yeah. 7 a.m. to get a ticket. Yeah. And she came out of a disco ball. She didn't did. She? Yeah. It was like one of those things where you go, have I taken loads of drugs or is that Madonna? <laughs> <laughs> is that the best it was really drag queen it, I've ever seen or is that Madonna? It was silent there, wasn't it, before that gig started. Everybody was just, like, looking forward to the stage. And then the lights went down. And then the screen parted. And when Madonna appeared, I lost my hearing for ten seconds. It was like everything just just stopped, like an explosion in the... Pl- I'd always remember that moment. It was amazing. Yeah, there was something about Astoria... Yeah, when it was at Astoria, I think, that felt... Um, I don't know, it always felt like on a night out, you're like, what's going to happen tonight? Yeah. And there were so many areas. I don't think I ever found every single <laughs> dark space in that but club. But you know what? There's still some gays that are stuck, actually. They've just built the new cross rail on top of it. They're still in a bar like, God, I can't believe it's not morning yet. Today has felt long. Has it felt long for you? Like, It's funny, the Madonna thing, because lots of gay men love Madonna. Mm-hmm. Um, but would it be fair to say... Lesbians have the same look. Look up in the same way to Madonna. I, I think don't, I, no. Know. I don't. I, like, I don't know whether they do, but I would say that I have the music taste of a gay man. Right. I would say that I. Um, I yeah, I would say that my music taste is far more similar to my gay male friends than my lesbian friends. So do yeah. I'm dying to ask you Madonna questions. Do you have a favourite Madonna era? Oh yeah, I would say like eight, eight, eighties, nineties. Like it would be. Yeah, a lot of them would be that, like, sort of Vogue, Express Yourself. So, like, the Blonde Ambition Tour era. Yeah, that sort of thing. It's a great which... time to, to have known her, to, because she was really big, wasn't she? Really I mean, massive. I think she's still quite famous now, I'm going to say it. <laughs> but, she, you know, she was at her most controversial back then. Yeah, and... and changing the world. And... Yeah, and like a prayer, like a virgin. Like, there just so many hits. So many hits. Um, yeah, I would say that, like, the, the Ray of Light era was less for me. It is more the sort of classic, would you say classic pop? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think Like a Prayer and Express Yourself and Cherish. Oh, Not cherishes. that I'm a fan, I'm, I'm naming every song from the album, but they were all so different and they were great yeah. pop songs as well, weren't they? Cherish is an absolute tune. You but... sure you don't want to go for that? No, no. no. I love <laughs> I love the opening of this one too much. Come, Come on, girls. girls. Yes. Do you believe in love? I think I shouted it on stage <laughs> to G.O.Y. pretending that. <laughs> My Pride Playlist. Virgin Radio Pride. And from Madonna, we go very nicely to the Pet Shop Boys now. When did you first get into them? So I would say that Tom Allen got me into the Pet Shop Boys. Right. So we toured together. We've been really good friends for years. How long have you known each other for? If I've been doing stand-up about 13 years, I've known him for about 12. So we did a gig together... Tom has been going, had, been, had already been going a, a few years then. I was a very, very new stand-up. And we went and did a gig for a charity. And we both just had terrible gigs. We just had terrible gigs. We had to follow a drag queen. Then I had to follow a raffle, which is difficult with the surname <laughs> Ruffle. And we, it was just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't a great night for either of us. Uh, people didn't, people basically didn't really want stand-up. It was a charity thing. They were raising money. It was a very worthy cause, you know, very important, but they didn't really want comedy. And Tom and I were giving them comedy. And so what we did afterwards was, to make ourselves feel better, we went and had a few drinks. And, you know, that became the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And then when we were on the road together, 
Tom really likes the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. So we'd listen to quite a lot of the Pet Shop Boys. And then this song really reminds me of a few years ago, Tom and I went to uh, World Pride in New York. Oh, wow. Which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And we had the best time. And I remember listening to this on the plane and thinking, and we went on, now we went on the Virgin flight. Right. You know the big, did you hear about this big gay Virgin flight? No, where, tell me. Oh, okay. So, so you all crowded on the plane to go to New York. So it was a gay plane. A gay plane. It was a gay plane. What did it look like? Did I mean, have- I think it had rainbows on it. <laughs> so it was to go to the 50th, the 50th World Pride. Incredible. Okay. And so it was, it was bonkers. So everyone was gay on the plane. The, 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 the pilot. The, uh, the all of the cabin crew where they found them I'll never know they managed to find them um, there were drag queens doing cabin crew Jodie Harsh was DJing oh this sounds incredible it was I mean it was bonkers and it was amazing and it was brilliant and it was Tom and I um, bought the tickets when we were at, um, at we were at the Attitude Party right we were like that would be fun let's go let's do it and um, and I said to my girlfriend, do you want to come with us? And she was like, no, go with Tom. You two go and have a mad weekend, just yeah. the two of you. Before my partner Alice came along, Tom and I would do lots of stuff like that together. And she was like, you go with Tom. You go and have your amazing weekend, which is very sweet of her. And yeah, we just had the most brilliant time of like going to piano bars and we marched for a bit and we went and danced. And I mean, and then... I was sick at the Metropolitan Museum of Art because of the, the previous night's alcohol consumption. So, you know, <laughs> well, they weren't all great moments. <laughs> but it's, there's something about the Pet Shop Boys that, uh, that, that always remind me of Tom. And I feel like he really introduced me to them. And I, and I love Dusty Springfield. I love her voice. And I always, I always loved her growing up. There's always that question, isn't there? Like, was she a lesbian? Did she have female lovers? And so yeah. in my mind, I'm like, yes, she did. <laughs> it's a yes from you. It's a yeah. Listen, guys, it's a yes you from me. That off. And so, yeah, I've just always loved this song. And so, when I, ha- when I was making this list, I had to had Great to include song. it. It's a proper good song. It's isn't a really it? good from the drums song. at the beginning. Yeah, it's exactly. fully involved. So, Susie Ruffle, your next choice here is oh, this is a good one. Diana Ross, I'm coming out. I mean, this is legendary. Tell me more about this song. So again, this would definitely be on my playlist for when I'm going out on tour. Always. So this always, is one of those always, songs always. you use. Is it what before you step out? Before or? I step out on stage, this be this this will be quite close to showtime. Love this song. Love Diana Ross. Grew up listening to it. My mum loves Diana Ross, and I, I really distinctly remember mum doing the housework on a Saturday morning, and it and her having the, the Diana Ross album on. Yeah. And I don't remember what the album was called, but I don't know if you remember the picture on the album was her like laying down, looking yes. like really sexy and like greys. Yeah. And um, I always remember it. it had like touch me in the morning on it and um, you can't hurry love and all songs like that. And then I'm coming out, I think was on it as well. And I, I've, I've always loved Diana Ross, but if this comes on when I'm out, like there is no stopping me. There is, I love dancing. I love, I have really, I think you get so much joy from dancing. I think it should be like, they should prescribe it on the NHS. I yeah. think it makes you feel so good. When I was the last it. time you danced, by the way? Well, to I, loud music. Well, I dance in my flat quite a lot. Oh, this is good. I do. I dance in my flat quite a lot when I've got the radio on. And I am, you know, I listen to the radio. I like the company mm. of radio. That's, and I think, God, this year, hasn't it come into its own where people have Gosh. really... You know, I've found that from doing my podcasts. You know, people really love that feeling of having 
feeling like there's someone else there and that wonderful thing about radio where you can feel like that person is just talking to you and that conversation is just for you and yeah I it's not unusual for me to have a bop around yeah it really isn't and so with the curtains closed I'm just can you set the scene or is it Madonna coming out the screens open the curtains (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay so I've got a balcony (laughs) or as I like to call it the showroom um (laughs) but I would say um yeah I mean I would say I'm not shy about it. I mean, I don't think that my neighbours are watching me, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like, oh, I need to shut the curtains. I'd just be like dancing around the house, and I, yeah, it just makes me joyful. And, and anyone that's listening right now, even if you're in your car or wherever you are, or if you're on the train, I think listening to this, it's impossible not to, at the very least, have a little toe tap, have a little shoulder wiggle. Because, but, but for me, it would be I'd be giving it 110. percent I read once that Diana Ross didn't actually intend it to be. A gay thing. This, well, this I'm song. sure. I yeah, mean, right. It must just be. I'm, she was I'm just. Ca- like, I'm so surprised that people thought that, and I thought, really? Yeah, I mean, that it surprised me that she didn't realise that people were going to think that. I mean, it's so gay. Yeah. I mean, someone ring Diana. Let her know. <laughs> I think she knows it now. This is so gay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, it's an absolute. I mean, it is a pride classic, and it's up there. You know, this would be up there if I had to choose. If I had to choose one for you today, if you just asked me to bring one in. Oh, this is interesting. This you would have this been, one. I think this would have been really, if it, if it wasn't this one, it would have been like between this and one other. Because I just, I just love it. Was it actually like a coming out anthem for you? Was it part of your coming out process? No. No? No, it doesn't. It doesn't link to me coming out at all. I think that I, I got into it once I was very much out. And, then, and, and had like. I definitely, I would say that my coming out didn't really have a song because I was like, uh, can I? Am I? I don't know. Mm, should I? Mm, uh, it was more like, it was more stop-starty than me being like, everybody listen. Because it's such a confusing time, isn't it? For me, it really was, which is why I sort of, I started this um, this other podcast. You mentioned before that I, I, a podcast, I've got another one called Out where I interview like incredible people from across the LGBTQIA plus community. And I know that you had... Um, so Michael Cashman, yes, um, on on this a little while ago, um, I, he's uh, he's closing our series, which will finish in a couple of weeks, and and the, the show is all about people's coming out experiences, but not just about coming out. It's about certainly for me, and I can only speak for myself, but it seems that a lot of this has been reflected across the the podcast series as well. You know, when you're realising you're coming out, or you're realising you're different. You do sort of question yourself, or well, certainly I did, where I thought. Can I have this life that I want? Can I achieve these things? Is my sexuality going to be something that holds me back? Mm -hmm. And I really worried about that for a long time, being someone that's a performer. I was acting before I was doing stand-up. And I wanted to create something that said to anyone, it doesn't matter if you're coming out now, it doesn't matter if you're a gay person that's been out all your life, and it doesn't matter if you're one of our sort of straight allies or anyone across the sort of LGBTQIA plus spectrum. But I, I wanted to create something that said... If you're having those feelings, here are all these people that have done incredible things like Dustin Lance Black, you know, like Lady Phil, like uh, Cameron Esposito, or, you know, I've had so many brilliant uh, conversations. Tom's on the show, so is Joe Lysett. There's loads of brilliant conversations from across the three series. And I wanted to create something that said, you know, being gay ended up being kind of one of the best things about my life. Amazing. I love that I'm gay now. Mm-hmm. And if you had told 15-year-old me that, I would have said you are crazy. If there was a button that I could press and turn this off, yeah. I would do it in a heartbeat. And now I love that I'm gay and I love my queer friendship group and I love, and my girlfriend and I have, I mean, one of the best relationships. I, You know, like, 
I, I, I could even imagine. And I just wanted to put something out into the world that was like, being grey is great. And even yeah. if it doesn't feel like that right now, it will. Stick with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's such a big part of your work as well. We spoke about the Apollo show earlier, yeah. but that was the first part of, uh, of of that set. You came on and you said, just in case you're wondering, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. my hair's not an accident. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I think I, I, often, I always mention my sexuality on stage for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because I think that, I, you know, no, and it's nothing like that. Like, it's not like all of my material is about being gay. I just happen to be gay. But also, I want to say it because I feel like there'll be people watching that will go, oh, I'm like you. And to the straight people watching, it kind of go, oh, okay. But there'll be kids at home or people at home watching going, oh, you're like me. Mm. And you're on telly and you're happy. And I didn't know that was a possibility. Yeah. And so for me, it's really important that I always say that. And also, I always mention my sexuality because audiences... If I don't mention that I'm gay, some audiences will watch me and go, does she know that she's gay? Because she hasn't mentioned it yet. Does she? Like, you've just, you just got to reference it at the top. So you go, don't worry, guys. I know. I'm gay. So it's like, I'm going to deal with it. <laughs> I'm just dealing with it at the top. Also, you know, I, I came up in comedy sort of coming through the clubs and some of them are like, yeah, some of them could be quite hard work, quite I rough. Bet. And I had to get a gag out about my sexuality before anyone else did. You know, before I could get a, a homophobic heckle, I had to make a joke about my sexuality and it'd be funnier than what any of them could say. Right. And then I've dealt with it. And so I'd say that, that that's something that sort of stayed with me as well, where it's like, I'll, I'll say something funny about this did before you, you did, try to. Did you ever have any negative uh, oh. you know, like feedback from drunk oh, heaps. audiences and stuff? Heaps, yeah. It's like, it's... Does it hurt? How does it make you feel? Oh, it really did when, at the beginning, to be honest. It really hurt. I bet. Yeah, it really... Because it's so personal, isn't it? Yeah, it really hurt and it really felt... Yeah, it's the it's one of the things that made me sort of go, oh, do I? Like, I got so much joy out of doing stand up, and then occasionally that would happen, and I'd go, ah, oh. like it happened a couple of years ago, at, like the Greenwich Comedy Festival, which is like a, and this is like only a few years ago, probably, you know, I'd already done a bit of telly by this point, and there was just like murmurings of like these guys thinking about shouting something out, and you could feel it, could you? I could feel it a little bit, but then someone tweeted about it, which I thought was really upsetting because they were like, oh, I went to see Susie Ruffle tonight, and then I ended up overhearing these guys being homophobic about her and you're like oh I don't want you to come to my show and then yeah. you to hear that that's not fair and yeah like you know it it happens it, it doesn't happen so much anymore because nowadays I'm in a very privileged position where I go out on tour and like if you buy a ticket for my show and then try and heckle me I mean first of all I'll rip you to pieces because I'm you know, I'm on, on stage six nights a week. You're coming out and trying this. You know, you're going to try Don't a few lines on me. <laughs> I, I'm going to win in this scenario unless you're some gifted stand-up. Um, but also, you know, I've got your money. You know, like you're, you're paying to come and do that. It would be very, very strange. But, yeah, there's certainly been times when people have shouted quite nasty stuff. One occasion a guy was really mean, really, really horrible. And so I... Um, I asked the, uh, the the technician on the show to put the lights up. I asked the guy to stand up. Wow. And then I explained why he wouldn't be the person to turn me straight. And I really... I, and I was horrible to him. Yeah. But... And, you know, and I'm not proud of that, but also he will never do that to another woman on stage. And how did you recover after that? Because I can imagine how how disappointed and gutting you, gutted yeah, you feel Yeah, it's really upsetting. It's really upsetting, to be honest. And it's actually something I've not thought about an awful lot. But, 
yeah, I think like it sort of stays with you. It sort of stays in your body for a bit. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it stays there. But I guess in a way I end up feeling kind of sorry for people like that because I'm like, God, your life must be so shallow and you must have. And also it means you haven't got a gay friendship group, which means you're really missing out. <laughs> like if you're homophobic, get some gay friends. We are a do you know what we really are um so listen back to your back to your tunes tonight the next up i'm quite excited about this actually i'm trying to contain it it's the spice girls why did you put them down okay this is me at like 10 oh wow okay right set the scene then were you still in port you grew up in in pompey yeah so i'm a pompey girl through and through at portsmouth and this would have been me i would have been in an adidas tracksuit thinking that i was sporty spice I was obsessed. I was right. obsessed with the Spice Girls. So the year I, is what, like 96? That would have been 96. Yeah, yeah okay. that would have been 96. So I was completely obsessed with the Spice Girls. I loved them. I, like, you know, girl power, like these women that were like, that didn't, you know, they were British, which just felt like it was achievable to be them. Mm-hmm. I just loved them. I loved them from the moment Wannabe came out. I went to see them a few years ago when they did their reunion did tour. Did you? Yeah, I love them. And actually, oh, if we've got time, I'll tell you a very quick story. I went, Please do. I went to see, um, I went to see All Saints on their reunion tour with Alan Carr. So right. I, I, I've supported Alan on tour. He's a lovely, lovely bloke. He rang me one day. He said, "Do you want to come and see?" All Saints do their reunion tour. I was like, you have rung the right person out. I will be there with bells on. So I, I go to, um, I get, we, it's at Coco. We're at Coco, great. So, you know, All Saints are on stage. They're all dancing. Because I'm with Alan. We're in this like VIP section. It's all very exciting. Mm-hmm. And I see out of the corner of my eye, Mel C. And I'm like, shut the front door. <laughs> I'm in the same room as the Spice Girl. Yeah. This is huge. And I said to Alan, I was like, ow, ow. Mel C's over there. And he's like, oh, I know Mel. Do you want to say hello? And I was like, oh, yes. Yes, I do. And so he takes me over and he's like, oh, you know, Mel, this is Susie. And like, Mel's like, oh, you're nice. Nice to meet you. How you doing? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. And then I, I just froze. And then I just went, you really mean a lot to me. And then I just didn't say anything else. And there was just this quite sort of weird energy for a bit and then Alan went I'll take her away now see you later Mel and it was just oh, no. I mean I like you know I could have become friends with her we, you know we could be mates now but we're not but I'm sure there were a million things that you could have said I, but, but, and I'm sure that's happened to her so many times women around my age you know who just loved them and, and it's true she does mean a lot to me yeah. and I'm not embarrassed by that I mean I am a little bit I'm 35 come on Suze but um, yeah I've chosen Stop by the Spice Girls because that's my favourite Spice Girls song and Melcy was very sweet to me when I became a teenager in front of her so listen I want to take you back to when you were growing up would you were there a lot of people that you could have identified with on on television not really I'd say Ellen but Um, I was sort of quite aware that she'd come out and then her show had been cancelled and so there was all that sort of like oh god if you come out really terrible things can happen um so i'd say that was more scary than anything else but there was very few people that felt like me and um i would say that sandy toxvig would be one of them who i've now had the the absolute pleasure of working with when i've done qi And, and you know she's just absolutely lovely and exactly as you'd sort of want her to be 
but yeah, I think, and I and I still think there's a there's a real lack of sort of you know there's Sue Perkins and there's Sandy and there's um, Claire Balding mm-hmm. and um, you know all lovely women who I've all had the great pleasure of meeting now and um, but it's always been them. It doesn't feel like there's been. I know we've got May Martin, who's like a really good friend of mine, although they identify, although they identify as as, as non-binary, so I'm and, and they're bisexual. So I would say like of lesbians, I think there is still a, there, there's still. I would love to see more queer women on things, mm-hmm. and I think that's a real shame that there's not more of us. You know, you can't really pick out someone of going, oh, well, she's she's got a radio show or she does this or she hosts that TV show if they're not one of those women that I've already mentioned. And so I'd say that like, and I I think I've sort of felt that to some degree of like breaking through as a comic where you sort of go, ah, I don't know whether, you know, the the sort of the the gay male entertainer has always been, you know, very sort of loud in British history. Mm, Very prominent, haven't they? Yeah, really, really. And I would say because of that, that was who I was really inspired by growing up. So, like, Graham Norton would be a great example. Like, I absolutely love Graham. I went to watch his show being recorded. Did you? Yeah, and and I'm still, like, enormously inspired by him. I love him. I love his shows, um, both radio and the telly one. I think he's absolutely brilliant. But, yeah, I would say that I was probably more inspired by gay men Mm -hmm. just because I thought, oh, well, I guess I'm kind of like them in a way. Because there, there, there did really feel like a lack of sort of lesbian visibility. And that matters, doesn't it? It must be lovely for you to know that there's quite a few people listening to Virgin Radio Pride thinking, well, actually, Susie, you're one for me. I mean, that, that's been really lovely when people have said that. And I certainly think, like, from doing stuff like the podcast and putting it out there and trying to sort of create conversations where, you know, that really include lots of, of, of sort of queer women um, or non-binary folk... And yeah, that's really important to me. And I guess I just, yeah, I just, I, I, I like that I can sort of be that person to some people. But I think that it makes television more interesting. It makes my radio more interesting if there's more types of people, more types of stories. And then it makes me kind of exciting because I look at like May show, Feel Good, and you go, well, that's an incredible piece of work that is has gone bonkers and people have loved it and that's because those stories haven't been told before mm-hmm. and then you go well then look how many other stories there are to be told yeah. that aren't this sort of quite often straight white male narrative yeah and so hopefully you know as things are evolving as the world is changing as we start to open up again as you know as um you know, different shows start being commissioned or different people start doing stuff, hopefully we can get a bit more diversity, you know, th- through the whole of the queer spectrum. Absolutely. Now, with your next choice, I'm just looking down the list here, we um, we go to kind of, we move closer to present day. You've got Lady Gaga here. What do you think about her? Oh, I love her. Oh, I love her. I love her. I love her. I love her. I think yeah. she's brilliant. Yeah, really big fan. Um, I've never seen her live, unfortunately. I would absolutely love to. One of my really good friends went to see her live with her husband, who is from the West Country, and he wasn't sure about going. And afterwards, I said to him, Dan, what did you think of Lady Gaga? And he went, well, I'm not being funny. At one point, she was playing two pianos that was on fire. You can't argue with that. And I thought, that is brilliant. Two pianos and both of them are on fire. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I just think she's great. I think she's great. And I love this song. I love this song and I think it's for anyone. And similar to the Cheryl Lynn song, it's a song that you strut to, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's full of positivity. Three minutes of complete... I mean, she doesn't waste a second, does she? No, that's the thing. And that's exactly what I was saying before about, you know, my kind of comedy. Um, You know, I love love upbeat. 
I love do, joyful. Yeah, that's my that's my jam. I thought actually, you know, I've seen so many clips. I haven't seen you live, and I will. But it's kind of you come away thinking it was a celebration of all good things in your set and a celebration of life and living. That's what I try to because you know there's there's loads of comics that do political stuff. There's loads of comics that do that sort of melancholic thing, and they do it brilliantly. They're brilliant, and all those types of comedy is there, and it's great. But what I'm the best at, you know, the best version of me at is sharing the joy. Yeah. That's what I love doing. And that's and that's why I've loved doing this 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 podcast where I'm interviewing people and I love doing the podcast with Tom because you know it's sharing joy and hopefully like putting a spring in people's step and I feel like ah oh, if I can do that then I mean that's a privilege isn't it? Yeah. Really. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a reason why you haven't seen Gaga? Uh no, there's not. I think I just didn't get tickets in time. But we, I'd love to. Is it on the bucket list? Oh, for sure. Because that's the thing. When she's done all the, uh, you know, the stage opening and the costumes and stuff, and she settles down and she sits down at the piano, that's the best bit. Yeah. The piano songs are incredible. She's really she's such talented. a good musician. Yeah, really talented. Yeah, so she's she's on the list for sure. But yeah, Lady Gaga had to be on it. And um, we're going to move swiftly now on to your next choice, which is uh, Taylor Swift. Tell me more. I think that Taylor Swift is such a great... Um, ally I think she's brilliant and I think she's I just I really love her music as I said before I have the music taste of a gay man I love pop I just love pop Um, a gay man or a teenage girl no gay men listening please don't take offence I think Uh, it's great I want to come out to your flat and witness these dancing sessions come dance come dance on the balcony Um, but it's I, I just think that she's great and I watched I really liked her and then I watched that documentary that she had did on Netflix yes about like her going against like her sort of Republican fan base and she felt like she wanted to do it to sort of be an ally to the queer community. And I thought, oh, I liked you before, but now I love you. Mm. Because I think that going against what your core audience might be in order to do the right thing is, is, you know... It's brave, isn't it? and, And, you know, she's not queer. You know, like she's doing that as an ally. And I think that's really important. And I think she's great. And this song, yeah, this is, I often play this one in the car. So you can get a bit of car dancing for this one. So if you want to have a little image of me, I'm in my car. <laughs> I can picture it now. Do. You know what she said to, to, uh, about Todrick Hall, actually? Because Todrick yeah. Hall was a guest on this show. Yes. And he said that, you know, one of the, the, the greatest things that's happened uh, to him was when she gave him the mic. Uh, it was the VMAs, was yes. it? It was certainly the, the massive... Uh, and she was like, no, 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 please. You, you've paid such a big part in my image and stuff. And all of a sudden he had that platform and he said that was so unbelievably kind yeah. and open-hearted of her to, to give him that. And like, isn't that what really, isn't that what like true allyship and true sort of support is of like offering someone your platform? I think that's like an amazingly generous thing to do. And it's something that, you know, I know there there are plenty of comedians that have helped me by putting me on as their tour support or taking me on the road with them or putting me on their podcast or interviewing me for something and just, you know, and I feel like reaching out that hand and pulling someone up with you. Because that's the thing, isn't it? I think often people feel like, you know, if they share the limelight, that it means somehow it would diminish the light that's on them. But in fact, it makes them look better because people go, oh, you're really nice as well. That makes me like you more. Um, Let's get into M&EK then. Tell me more about this. So this song, I didn't know anything about M&EK. And then unlike 
You know, uh, Spotify will make your daily playlists for you. I love those. Yeah, they're really handy, aren't they? Yeah. Because I'm not great at choosing new music, as you can tell by this list, which is like 80s, 90s. You've gone for solid classics. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah. I've been, this has been a serious bop, this, this yeah, whole right? edition of my prior playlist. So I think... Um, so, so I was, you know, just walking home and this came on on my Spotify playlist of the day, whatever it's called, as a song that it thought I would like. And mm. I immediately loved it. I immediately loved it. And then I, I, I uh, messaged it to my girlfriend and she loved it as well. And we were meant to be getting married um, back in 2020. We're going to do it in a couple of years. But... This uh, was during lockdown, wasn't it? So, yeah, 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 yeah. We were meant to get married, and then obviously we went into lockdown, and we couldn't do it. But this was going to be—it was either going to—it was either going to be like our first dance, or in the—it was in contention for first dance because we both absolutely love this song. And then I love it even more because I was lucky enough to have MNEK on my podcast. Yeah, and so I just got in touch with him on Twitter, like you know, reached out, and was just like, "I did this podcast. I've had some amazing guests. I'm getting this many listeners." I would absolutely love to chat to you. I love your album. And he is just such a gen and came back and said, yeah, I'd love to. Amazing. And he's just a really sweet, kind, lovely person who it was an absolute joy to spend an hour talking to and hearing about music. And he writes for like Beyonce and Little Mix incredible. and has done incredible stuff. And so just listening to him talking and he sort of started his career on MySpace and, and did in incredible stuff. And so he was, I already loved the music. And then when I realised what a lovely, lovely guy he was, it just makes you love it a bit more. So I had to have, and it, and it is also a proper pride yeah, it's Probably just got that time. vibe, hasn't yeah, it? totally. You know you were talking about your partner a moment mm -hmm. ago. I've seen photographs. I think Jonathan, part Jonathan of the Jonathan Rush, Rush yeah. he, play, he, you know, he, he kind of sends out the picture and uh, you look like such a kind of solid, solid, happy <laughs> couple. Can I ask how long you've been together yeah, and how sure. you met? Yeah, of course. We've been together just, uh, just coming up for four years and we were introduced to each other at a wedding. Right. By a straight friend who sort of went, I've got two lesbian friends. I wonder if this will work. And both Alice and I were like, that's actually quite offensive. And then we met each other and we were like, okay, turns out you're right. <laughs> so that's quite annoying. But um, yeah, so we were set up and uh, by, by a friend at her wedding and we were sort of sat near each other. Did you know almost immediately? I mean, I'd say like at the wedding, we were sort of chatty and it was quite nice. And then we went out for a drink like a few days later to Matt Maison, which is a place near where I used to live in Hoxton. And we were like, I was like, just get a cocktail and we'll see how it goes. And then like, obviously like two bottles of red later. I'm like, <laughs> okay, if someone call mum, she's going to need to buy a hat. Uh, but yeah, I knew pretty Brilliant. quickly. And yeah, we're, yeah, we're very happy, which I feel very lucky about. And I feel very lucky that I've got to spend lockdown with someone that I have such a great time with. Okay, so before we get into your final track, I just want to ask, out of your entire career thus thus far would you say you have a highlight is has there been like a you know a favorite moment um i would say like what i mentioned before at live the apollo that was really fun and then doing jonathan ross was really fun um i it's funny isn't it how like things go in roundabouts so i did jonathan ross and they record it you know so they record it on maybe the wednesday and then it goes out on the saturday or something like that and so i recorded it, it had like the time of my life it's absolutely brilliant and then went and did a tour show and had like just quite a, like probably one of the only quite tough tour shows of the whole tour on the night that it was going out. Oh, so it was like it, I mean it was totally fine, and I think the audience would have been like, yeah, that was funny, but it just it they didn't click with me, I didn't click with them. Yeah, it was I was like way out in the sticks, um, and 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 
it was fine. It was totally, totally fine. But I like to like feel like I've really ripped it, and I didn't like really rip it. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just didn't. And sometimes you don't, and that is, you know, sometimes could it, could it be could it be sometimes that you don't think it has, but the audience have loved it, or yeah, is it I'm, just the general kind of vibe of everything coming together? That sounds yeah, really poncy. Yeah, no, it? I think no, I think you are right. No, I think you are right. And sometimes the audience will be like, "Oh my god, I loved that," and you're like, "Really?" But also, you know what it's like on the best night, and they don't. So yeah. they're like, "That was great," but. So then I had this sort of totally fine show, but no sort of, no fireworks. And then came off stage, we hurried home with my, my, my best, not home, back to where we were staying. We we're like in this little tiny B&B because we we're out in the sticks. We can't, we couldn't find anywhere to stay. So we we're staying in this little tiny B&B. My best friend uh, was opening for me that night. One of my best, fr- my, one of my other best friends, Jenny. And so we were like watching this tiny TV where we were watching me on Jonathan Ross after I'd had this really mediocre gig where <laughs> Jonathan Ross was going, I think she's going to be the next big star of British comedy. And I was like, if you'd seen me tonight, you wouldn't be saying that. <laughs> but, um, but it keeps you humble, doesn't it? Grounded. Keeps you humble. <laughs> but yeah, moments, moments like doing shows like that feel really exciting. And, and you know, hopefully there's more to come. There's lots of things that I'm sort of filming at the minute or bits that I've got coming out or bits that I'm auditioning for and different things like that where you go, you know, hopefully, you know, there'll be more exciting things. Absolutely. On the horizon. I must ask you this one question because I just remembered, I did ask this for Tom and uh, I think he gave me kind of a five minute answer. It's a big, it's a big question, this one, all right? Okay, so, I'll, try and give, I'll try and give you less than five minutes. No, 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 give me 10. Okay. Uh, it's Virgin Radio Pride. Um, this is Pride season for, you know, from now to September, different places in the UK, all around the world celebrating. What does, what does Pride mean to you now, sat here? I think it means... That I can be myself and know that my love is just important as any as my straight friends. And I didn't know that for quite a long time. And I felt, you know, and I was quite ashamed for a long time, which I think is important to note, certainly when you're someone that's like loudly gay in your job. (laughs) Because I think people think like you wake up like that the day that you come out. And Mm. it's been sort of, you know, a bit of work for me to get there and for me to like myself. And I've had therapy and, you know, I'm quite open about all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I think... Now I have the knowledge that my love is just as special as, you know, my mum and dad's, my auntie and uncle's and, and everybody else's. And, um, and there's no difference. You know, you know, I like that, you know, there is a difference in, you know, in being gay, of course, but you don't have to feel like you're an outsider. And that's what, yeah, that's what it means to me. That's a lot shorter than five minutes. It's really nice. And also that, you know, give it time, it, it probably will work out. That's the vibe I got from your podcast. All the people, yeah. if you kind of, if you could, could just summarise all those wonderful people that you've spoken to. Yeah. Like trust just, yeah, like I would say that what a lot of them have ended up saying, or sort of, you know, I can only really speak for me, but like, you know, hanging on and being and trusting that, you know, things change and people's opinions often change. And sometimes people's opinions don't change, but you will find your sort of queer family. I didn't know that I was going to have, you know, a friend like Tom or like, you know, my other friends that are, that are queer, that have, that, 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 you know, I love to bits, that have become like family to me. Mm. You know, I had no idea when I was 16, 17 that that was ever going to be a possibility. And, you know, now I've got this, this wonderful life that's full of love. And, you know, as I said to you a little while ago, you know, I now love that I'm gay. And I really didn't think that that was going to be possible. Yeah, that's one of the things that I've learned from the podcast. It's like, you know, trusting yourself and, and trusting that you'll meet your tribe and you'll meet your friends and 
that it will work out. And like you know, my my mum would always say like you know, it, it works out in the end. And if it's if it, if it's if it's not worked out, it's not the end yet. And so I always try and keep that in mind as well. Lovely, lovely. And that's a really lovely quote to go into this final this final song. This, yeah. This, would you like to introduce? I it? would love to. So this is Fun Home, which is a musical that I absolutely love. Um, it's based on a comic by Alison Bechdel, mm-hmm. and um, it's part of there are many sort of stories within the the comic but that one of the stories that ended up being in the musical is about um the the main character realizing her sexuality mm-hmm. and she goes off to university and she meets a girl called Joan and this song is called I'm changing my major to Joan because it's about that moment of first love or first lust when you think I'm changing I'm going to change I just want to be around you all the time. I don't care. She doesn't care that she's got to go to classes. She doesn't care that she's meant to be learning this, that and the other. All she wants to do is look at this girl in her denim jeans. And I just, when I heard this song for the first time, I thought no one has ever spoke to me like this in musical theatre before. Because I I love musicals. On a different day, I could have just brought you, you know, eight songs from musical theatre. I love musicals, grew up loving them. And when I saw this, I wept. Because it was the first time ever that I thought... Here is a song from a genre that I love, musical theatre, and it's about me. It's about my life. And I'd never felt like that before in the theatre. And so, yeah, this song just always gets me. So there you go. The final choice of Susie Ruffle on my Pride playlist tonight, the original Broadway cast of Fun Home with Changing My Major. And if you want to catch more from Susie, uh, the podcast out with Susie Ruffle. It's in its third series at the minute and it's available to listen to now. And also the tour Dance Like Everybody's Watching. It starts later on this year. There's dates in Cambridge, in Brighton, London and Milton Keynes to name but a few. Susie, thank you again so much for coming in tonight. I'm sure so many people listening have got loads out of your song choices and the wonderful conversation we've had. Oh, I really hope so. I really hope people have enjoyed listening. And and thank you for letting me share these songs. My it's pleasure. Have joy. you enjoyed it? Yeah, it's been a real joy. It's been a real joy. But now I'm probably going to listen to something else on the way home and go, ah, oh, I should have put that in. <laughs> should have put that in. <laughs> Please go and see Gaga. That's bothered me. I will. I promise. I promise, guys. I promise I'm going to go and see Gaga. Don't you worry. Thank you so much. And hopefully see you back here soon. I'd love to.